Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Our text for our sermon is Proverbs chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Do not warn a mocker or he will hate you. Warn a wise person and he will love you. Give advice to a wise person and he will become even wiser. Teach a righteous person and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding because through me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise to your own advantage. But if you scoff, you alone will bear the consequences. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it was 1999 and Y2K was just around the corner. People were wrapping up aluminum foil around their heads and stockpiling toilet paper and making emergency shelters in their basements because computers were going to shut down and civilization was going to be destroyed. But before that time happened, or wait, it never did happen. Anyways, but before that, several people in in news uh, channels and, and pollsters put out surveys and polls asking things like, who was the most influential person of the last thousand years? Who was the wisest person in the last thousand years? Uh, Questions like this. And it was amazing. Poll after poll, news channel after news channel, time after time, one guy won first place by a large margin. That was Martin Luther. Now, I don't like to preach a lot on Martin Luther because, I mean, he had some smart things to say, but I don't want people thinking he has a cult or something like that, but I am preaching to Lutherans today. The thing is, is Martin Luther not only restored the gospel, but our government today would not exist if Luther had not, by studying the word, recognized there was a different instrument even given to the state than to the church, and hence the idea of separation of church and state. Our public schools, our university system, our trade schools, there is so much that happened. Even the scientific method, although he didn't invent it, happened when, when him and the theologians around him told people, no, we're not going to get in the way of your studying the wonders of God's creation. So Luther seems to be a very truly wise person, except for Well, there was that time led by Thomas Munzer, another theologian, where he got the peasants and he seemed to think that he had the Holy Spirit speaking directly to him. He said, we need to overthrow our government. And if they fire their cannons at us, I'll catch them in the hems of my preaching robes and hurl them back at them. That little coward was found hiding in a barn. When... The peasants rose up against the government. The government that had been protecting Martin Luther and allowing the Reformation to happen, Luther said, these people have no reason to rebel. Grab the sword and strike them down. Hash and, hash and slice like you are going through a hedge or something. Well, unfortunately, they did. I was kind of foolish of Martin Luther. And afterwards, he had to say, oops, I'm kind of talking in hyperbole there. Said things a little too strong. Or take, for example, the Jewish people. For a long time, the Jewish people appealed to Luther, and Luther turned around and told the government, be tolerant of these people, let's let's give them a chance that we can proclaim the Savior that they don't know to them. But in his old age, he got frustrated, especially when he found out some of them had been hiding behind him and duping him. And so, once again, he spoke in that hyperbole. And although it's not true, later after World War II, a newspaper reporter would claim that Nazism rose because of Luther. But it was foolish of Luther to say. 
So we have somebody who hands down won the most influential, the most wise person in a thousand years, and yet somebody who could be so foolish at the same time. So today we're going to ask the question, what is true wisdom? And to answer that question, we're going to go right to the verse that does. See, our sermon text really... This whole section begins at verse 7 and ends at verse 12, but it crescendos to verse 10 and decrescendos away from it. It's called a chiasm. That's very common in Hebrew poetry. So verse 10 says, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, again, today when we hear that Hebrew word yareh and we translate it as fear, we think of a kid who pulls the blankets over his head because he's heard a bump in the night and he's terrified. And that's certainly what God's law does, doesn't it? God's law kills. God's law terrifies. Because if we take an honest look into God's law, if we don't have our ears covered, God's law says you are not holy. You are damned to hell. And those are words I hate to hear and they scare me. But did you catch that? And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now the devil knows God is the Holy One. But the devil also knows salvation does not apply to him. Knowledge of the Holy One is knowledge of the one who, even though you and I cannot keep the law, he took on human flesh and he kept it for us. Knowledge of the Holy One is knowing that although you and I deserve the punishment, he took that punishment on the cross, was abandoned by God for us. He spilt his blood to wash our sins away. He died for us. He rose for us. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to enter our hearts. And so today at Florida Lord's Lutheran Church in Casper, Wyoming, was brought to our baptismal font. There were no fireworks Pastor Sherman did scream and do backflips. Water was poured over his head. One of the most common elements in the world, although in Wyoming I think I could successfully argue that dust is more common. But water was poured over his head, but that wasn't all. He said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, it would have been nice if we could have heard the Wyoming 80-mile-an-hour winds we have in the wintertime that buffet our church coming. We didn't even hear the Holy Spirit coming, yet a miracle happened. For God promised that he sealed his Holy Spirit in his heart. His Holy Spirit gave birth to a new little A new little that is united to Christ in a mysterious union so that he has Christ's righteousness. He has Christ's holiness. And of course, knowledge of the Lord means mama and papa need to bring him up knowing the Lord. They need to apply that in his life. They will bring him as the church wants to help, to Sunday school. And that little voice that didn't quite cry because the baptism water was a little cold, he started to and then he stopped. That little voice in a few years will sing, I am Jesus, little lamb. He will have a wisdom that defies worldly wisdom. Why? Why, little are you Jesus' little lamb? Where's your proof? For the Bible tells me so. That simple. Mommy and daddy told me that's God's word. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. He doesn't have a fear of the Lord going, oh, God is this holy God that's going to crush me. That verb in Hebrew now has changed for as it has for you. It becomes a reverential respect and awe. Wow, God who was holy should have sent me to hell. Instead, he took on the sins of the world, which includes me. He put his Holy Spirit in my heart. So true wisdom, and the rest of, of this proverb, you can apply to smart guys like Albert Einstein. 
But true wisdom really begins with having that reverent respect, faith in God as the one who has saved you. It changes everything. If I take my glasses off, you are all blurry to me. Not I can barely make out your features. When the Holy Spirit entered your heart as he did this morning, you were given a new set of lenses, a new filter through which you view the world. Everything for you is about the fact that you are Christ's child. So what is true wisdom? It is a result of faith in the triune God as your savior. In everything Luther did that the world thinks was so wise or so influential, he didn't do to pat his own ego. He didn't do because he had such a high IQ. He did it because he wanted to share the word of God. He did it because he loves the Lord. In fact, he often, when Lutherans wanted to call themselves Lutherans, he said, who's Luther? I'm a sinful sack of manure. There's true wisdom. And so verse 8 continues and says, Do not lead a mocker to see his wrongdoing, or else he will hate you. Lead a wise man to see his wrongdoing, and he will love you. Albert Einstein was one of the guys who made that list. And I don't know where Albert Einstein's faith was. I, he doesn't go down in history as being an outstanding believer if he was a believer. But you know, there are a lot of lies told about Albert Einstein, like that he flunked out of school and stuff. However, one truth is, this man who could come up with all these brilliant, and he's one of the most brilliant physicists, and he could come up with all these complex math formulas to prove his physics theories. Did you know he was well known for screwing up basic math? Two plus two equals three. Somebody like that, who's truly wise, would truly be grateful. Uh, Albert, you, you did it again. Two plus two equals four, Albert. Ah! Oh! Thank you, I must present this to a large group of people and they would, not under, they would totally ruin the theory I'm getting at with this formula. So a wise person will love to be corrected. An unwise person, they'll hate you for it. Now before we get into that, we have to understand though that people can nag us sometimes. You know, somebody is just looking for a reason for you to fall and sometimes it can happen quite innocently. Uh, you folks don't see it nearly as much, but I am a lousy terrible secretary. And when I first got in the ministry, a much larger church, there was always something in the schedule I mixed up. And one day I cracked the joke, it's like the children's game, where's Waldo? If you look hard enough, you'll finally find Waldo. Every week there's a Waldo, there's a mistake in the bulletin. You just got to look hard enough and everybody joked. An innocent enough little guy, and by the way, to this little guy's defense even, I would end up encouraging him to be a pastor, to stay be a pastor. But an innocent little guy, he thought that was a fun game. And week after week, month after month, that little guy kept coming up to me and saying, Pastor, there's the mistake. Oh, there were two mistakes. And they're fun. Finally, after a year or two of this, it's funny. Okay, little guy, I love you, but it's getting kind of annoying, you know. But truly, a fool does not want to find out that they've screwed up, do they? However, as verse 8 says, lead a wise man to see his wrongdoing and he will love you. If we go to somebody to point out their sin simply out of revenge, simply out of nagging, simply out of nitpicking, they're not, that's, that's what we're going to get back. But with your new person, when somebody says, did you know you sinned? No. Thank you for pointing that out. 
Did you know the way you addressed your brother or sister in Christ in that email actually hurt their feelings? No, thank you. That was not my intent. And I, I want to correct that. I want to confess that to the Lord. I want to change that relationship so that that person knows I love them in the Lord and I love them as, as my brother or sister in Christ. Yes. Our new man loves to confess its sin to the Lord and to those we've wronged and hear the, and see the blood of Christ poured upon it. It makes them wiser. And so it loves correction and edification. But again, I'm not talking about the nagging kind of nitpicking. If somebody were to be given one of Albert Einstein's formulas who knew him, and they ran out and printed it without checking it, they'd be kind of foolish. And the reason why I point that out is, you have sins you struggle with and you know very well. You don't always have to have somebody nagging you about that. Maybe sometimes brothers or sisters in Christ can say, okay, that's the one where the Messer Schmitz kind of struggle, so let's be strong for them. And even then, the Messer Schmitz or whoever will thank you for helping them in their weakness. And so verse 9 says, Give learning to the wise man, and he will become wiser. Think about how when we learn how to apply the word of God, for example, when we study it, and you are such a beautiful group to do Bible study with, Think about how you become wiser. And then what happens in your wisdom? You shower it on your neighbor and on your friend as well. And they become wiser. So remember, I've told you these verses build to verse 10. Verse 9, the second half, already gives us a very strong hint. Cause the righteous man to know and he will add to learning. Who is the righteous man? It's the one who has Christ's righteousness because of that new man in our heart. And he will add to learning. He will say, oh, well, here's an application I hadn't thought of. In fact, two weeks ago in our Bible basics classes, we were talking about God created a mature universe. And that's why the universe seems to be older. Adam and Eve, when they were created, were able to reproduce right away. For example, one of the women turned around and half jokingly, half very seriously said one of the most brilliant things I've heard said in Genesis chapter one. She said, well, that settles the debate. Obviously, the chicken came first, not the egg. And I said, you're right. There was somebody who was thinking about the word of God. And so we think about it. We add to wisdom because we know we, add, we share that with others because we've been given Christ's righteousness. And then again, verse 10 says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. A wise person like Albert Einstein, if they've made a mistake, will be very grateful if you, in the right spirit, show them their mistake. They're not going to resent you. He wasn't a fool. But as a believer, you have so much more. So what is true wisdom? It loves correction and edification, especially in the word of the Lord. And that's because it's the result of faith in the triune God as your Savior. So after verse 10, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, which is the key to understanding this whole section. Verse 11 says, For by me your days will become numerous, and they will cause the events of years of life being added to you. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not think I'm a genius, but the Lord did give me one gift. I am able to look at other people's mistakes and learn from them. I don't do it perfectly. I'm the youngest. I had two older sisters, and when they were teenagers and in high school, I saw the way they tried to pull the wool over my parents' eyes. Turns out being my dad was a pretty ornery little brat when he was in high school. And so he was too experienced to pull the wool over his eyes. So I didn't have to worry about getting beat nearly to death making the same mistake as my sisters. I learned to make new ones instead. 
Truly, though. <laughs> I, when I worked, there were times where you know, you'd see how sometimes one of their friends suckered them into a crime or whatever, that because I'd learned how, how con men work, I was able not to get suckered into something like that. For by me your days will become numerous. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the interesting thing is where it says for by me, that would be like a wise person like Solomon who loves the Lord talking. Or sometimes the Hebrew, there's little vowels that are just the difference between a a half a stroke and a full stroke of a pen. It literally could be here for by it, which would be wisdom. The outcome is the same. When you have God's wisdom, your days become numerous. Isn't it a blessing? To have brothers and sisters in Christ who pray for you. Isn't it a blessing to have brothers and sisters in Christ whom you take care of, but they take care of you? And let us not forget. By the wisdom of God, through which you view the world as Jesus as your Savior, as you sing, I am but a stranger here, heaven is my home, you have days that, that, that an unbeliever doesn't have. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. There's no reason for somebody to go to hell. And yet, God has prepared a rich banquet in all eternity. And they say, no thanks, Lord. I want this crusty, moldy, old gruel instead. So it's their own fault if they end up in hell. But you have eternal life now in Christ. And heaven is yours. The glorified body is yours. So there are temporal benefits. Our family, the knowledge, you know, our Christian family, the knowledge we gain and everything. And there are everlasting, eternal benefits. So verse 12 says, If you are wise, then you are wise to your own benefit. And if you mock, you bear it to the disadvantage of your isolation. Literally is what the Hebrew says. So let me give an example of the fool there. If a person's drowning in the middle of the lake, what happens if you just swim out to go help them? Trying to get oxygen, they're going to climb on top of you and both of you are going to end up drowning, right? We've worked with people like that where you can't correct them and they can never admit that they're at fault. And so what do they do? You don't want to help them. You start finding ways to avoid them because they'll take you down with them. That's what a fool does. And there is even a point with witnessing to an unbeliever where we have to recognize, wow, your vehement hatred of the Lord is too hard on my, uh, is empowering my sinful nature. But if you are wise, then you are wise to your own benefit, it says. When you know the word of the Lord, guess what? Guess who gets fed first? This is a privilege, and I thank you for this privilege. Your offerings empower me to study the word of the Lord every day in a way your vocations don't allow you to Guess who gets fed the most? Pastor Sherman. Then, obviously, I apply it to you as well. And it's the same. When you come to Bible study, guess who's getting the most out of it? You. But then your neighbor also will benefit. When we're in the Word to be able to say, yes, I am God's redeemed child. I am saved. What a benefit. Can you think of a better benefit than that? So what is true wisdom? It has both temporal And eternal benefits. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who look out for us and everything, as well as knowing we have eternal life. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's been nearly 23 years ago as Y2K approached. And I think even the atheists who were history professors and stuff who had to admit it was Martin Luther. It's not because Martin Luther was was a cult leader or anything else like that, because Martin Luther did some foolish things too, and I only gave two examples. We have a new man in a sinful nature. But what is true wisdom? 
It's the result of faith in the triune God as your Savior. It is the new man, and it is the word being applied and worked through that new man. It loves correction and edification, especially in the word of the Lord, and it has both temporal and eternal benefits. Amen. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, to God who alone is wise, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.